As a professional welder, Shayna Ford uses Forge FX to practice over and over, which helps her improve her skills. The more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Don't touch that dial. You're tuned in to the Dread Podcast Network. Welcome to Development Hell. For every horror movie that hits VOD, countless others end up DOA. Development Hell is the podcast dedicated to unearthing these cursed horror productions. We're going to find out what went wrong and then decide if these titles still stand a shot at the green light. I am your host, Josh Korngut. I am the managing editor of Dread Central. I am also a filmmaker in Toronto, Canada. This podcast is a proud member of the Dread Podcast Network. Hi, everybody, and welcome back to a brand new episode of Development Hell. Today we are tackling an ooky, gooky, and all-around disgusting topic, Society 2, Body Modification. Today, we have a very special guest judge with us. We have Perry Jackson. Perry, how's it going? Oh, it's going all right, Josh. How are you today? <laughs> I'm, I'm really good. Can you do me a favor and introduce yourself to the Development Hell audience? Oh, my God. Wow. Hello, everybody. Hello, Development <laughs> Hell audience. Uh, my name is Perry Jackson. I um, I guess I guess I'm a frequent letterbox user, former <laughs> video store employee, and the reason that I, that Josh has seen this movie now. Yes, that is absolutely accurate. So me and Perry and our close group of friends have a movie club that we started during (laughs) COVID. And Perry is reliable for bringing uh, outside of the box picks that really (laughs) sometimes disrupt our normie brains. Perry, why did you pick Society for the last round? I think it's well. We were doing a specifically like a horror round for that time, and it was like I, I was trying to think of like what horror movies I was going to pick, and then I like p- part of me came to a lot of different ones. Like I was I was thinking about like what if I did Houseu to be like the weird <laughs> person to do that one, or like what if I did Videodrome or something like that, which might refer to some re- relate to what we're talking about today. Mm-hmm. Um, but like and other and other things, but I think like I landed on Society because like of of what it's what it really is about and what and how. Just we're going to talk about more, but like just the mm-hmm. overall nature of it. And I think it's just so strange and such an oddity of a movie to exist. Now that I've seen it, I really understand wanting to like ruin people's days with it. Like, I just exactly. want to like sit people down and watch them as they watch this movie. Uh, we'll talk about what this movie is about in a bit. But I'm just wondering, what was your first experience with 
society. So yeah, my first spiritual society. So I guess it was when so when Joe Bob's like his first the last drive-in uh, came back on, mm-hmm. on Shutter. I think it was the the first season it was in 2019. It was the second episode I remember, and it was and he was he paired it with uh, it was with Q the Winged Serpent, which was a which is a, also a very good movie by the way, by directed by Larry Cohen. Um, great little winged giant Quetzalcoatl mm-hmm. monster. Uh, but and then he did this movie as a second movie, and I was like, and I didn't really know about it. I know my partner, who was a longtime guest on the show, Emily Gagne, uh, <laughs> was not, kind of a, kind of afraid to watch it, and or was always scared to watch it. And I think much like you, you were also kind of scared to watch it, kind mm-hmm. of like a bit scared about how goopy it was. So mm-hmm. like, and I thought, okay, I'm just gonna sit down and watch it. And I was just like, it was so transfixed by it. And I think it was just like it felt like just like a cheesy '80s movie, like a cheesy like '80s sex comedy romp, kind of a little bit. And then it like kind of twists and becomes more of like just like a mystery a little bit. And then it becomes even twistier, which is which gets into the grosser elements of it. It's twisted. That is for sure. And I think people that like me who hadn't seen it were definitely familiar that it had like a really outrageous, like special effects, gross out ending. Right. what I didn't realize going into it was how interesting and bizarre the mystery for the first two acts of the film are and the weird, like, incestuous bizarreness and the 1980s, like, murder mystery element and kind of giallo feelings yeah, in there, true. too. And it's, like, say what you will about this movie. I can't say if it's good or bad. It's totally unique it's unlike anything that i'd ever seen from the 80s or any other period and i think that makes it important no totally and like the event with the with the effects and, and how all practical and the regular effects used the time and how go- and how extremely goopy it is like so it's just goopy. like one of the goopiest movies ever and like it's just like a, it's like a horror that i don't like i don't get all the time or like something that you just don't ex- you don't see today really honestly which is so interesting and, and like like you see culty kind of stuff, but nothing to this degree. Mm-hmm. Perry, I'm just wondering if gun to your head, what is this movie about? This movie is about, I, I would say just a, a boy who experiences paranoia about the, the world that, that he's, that he's been indebted into because of just because of society, but because of like, like with this, with his family and like, he's, he's not sure about what's going on. He goes to see this therapist, he goes to see his therapist, which is kind of just like trying to basically kind of make sense of everything around him. Mm-hmm. And it, like, he's just trying to like figure it all out, make trying to be like, what's something's going on something's up. And under, and then, you know, you see his, his one, his one friend come in and kind of lurch at his sister. And then he's kind of not unsure about what's going on really. And then kind of, things start to unfurl as they go along almost. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the mask of reality begins to slip, one could even say. Exactly, with pulsating skin. Mm-hmm. It's gross. So Society is from 1989. It is this American body horror classic directed by horror hero Brian Usna. Ooh. It stars Billy Warlock, Devin Vasquez, Evan Richards, and Ben Meyerson. And yeah, what you're saying is correct. It follows this Beverly Hills teen who suspects that his adopted family are acting weird as hell. And eventually it becomes clear they're a part of a nasty orgy cult who do really scary things. My question next for you, star Billy Warlock, 
why do I know that name? What is this guy famous for? So he's famous for kind of a, a little bit of things. So he's he generally kind of came up in like little TV bits. So he kind of like started in like Happy Days, and he did mm. a lot of like soap opera stuff, like Days of Our Lives and stuff like that. Um, but what I primarily kind of know him from a little bit in TV wise is like he started he did Baywatch also as well um, around 1989, like the first two seasons of it. Which mm-hmm. which was very popular. That's it was very popular at the time, obviously, because of many mm-hmm. many reasons. But um, and and yeah, he did a lot of that, and then kind of did little bit parts on TV. Not a ton of stuff, but like he hasn't been in a lot of things recently. But I think one of the better, more crazy parts about him is that he was in Halloween too, and from nineteen eighty one. What? Who is he yeah. in Halloween too? He played the character Craig. He's like a high schooler who okay. like I think interacts with Doctor Loomis at one part, like during like around the I think it was around when the first. I can't remember exactly when, but it's like he's like kind of like a bit part. But I think it's because his dad was a stunt person on that movie. <gasps> cool. Nepo yeah. baby. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. It's all, <laughs> the ra- it's all the rage. Yeah, it is. Also, does that not sound like a porn name, Billy Warlock? It is a very porn name. But it also sounds so cool. Like it sounds like yeah. Nick Nightingale or something like that to me it's where it's like. so cool. Yeah. Just like I want to be friends with Billy Warlock. He's also so he's like A-list hot. And also, yeah. I might have to say this as well, A-list talented. He really carried this bizarre movie on his shoulders. Oh, right. Time. Totally. Totally. 100%. Like, you, you you, really believe his paranoia and, like, the way, he, what he's going through and how and everything. Like, he's, he's the one who's just, like, I I can see everything that's going on. It's so weird. And everyone's just like, Billy, come on. Girl, like, you're crazy. Yeah. Eat yeah. your maggot apple. <laughs> no. Okay, therapist. <laughs> Um, so yeah, Billy starts to f- suspect that things are not as they seem in Beverly Hills, 1989, mm-hmm. and it turns out he's right. So I'm wondering, could you fill us in? What what turns out to be like? What is his fate? What has his paranoia has been leading towards and turn out to be true? Well, his paranoia has been leading out to be like he finds out first about like his sister being all like his his her coming up party was more of a was a coming up party of sorts in a way, let's say, mm-hmm. to say so to speak, as he heard on the on the tape recorder. But he learns a lot of his family kind of being in this weird little cult that just likes to kind of do, you know, first we dine, then we copulate, as they say. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And basically kind of mush together and, you know exchange flesh and organs and you know morph together and become one gross object essentially which honestly as disgusting as it is kind of sounds beautiful uh, in a little bit i'm gonna ask you more about what shunting is because it is in <laughs> it's on everybody's mind it's on, everybody wants to know about shunting and you know what they're gonna figure it out but for now i kind of want to talk about the man the mystery the icon brian usna yeah. Um, would it be okay with you if I gave just like a little bit of a spiel, a little bit of a history on this horror hero? Of course, yeah. By all means. I love the use. <laughs> the use began his career as a producer, and he was working with another horror icon, Stuart Gordon, on 1980s classics, Reanimator, and From Beyond, which I believe are both HP Lovecraft inspired. Yeah. And then eventually he would go on to make his first directorial effort, which is this movie. 1989's Society. He would also go on to direct a slew of bizarre horror sequels, which included Bride of Reanimator in 1990. Weird movie. We've talked about it a little bit on this Mm -hmm. podcast. Then there's Silent Night, Deadly Night 4, Initiation. I know nothing about it. We're going to have to 
chat about it because I have so many questions. <laughs> There's Return of the Living Dead 3. Also haven't seen it. It, tar- it stars Julie Cooper from the OC, so most, that's cool. Most important part about it. Oh, hell yeah. I actually think I've turned it on, but I didn't get very far, and it'll have to happen it's, again. It's good. No, I, I it's a very good. <laughs> I promise I I'll, I'll have to reviews. And then he also directed The Dentist, which I'm shocked to read is from 1996. (laughs) Like the same year as Scream, really? 1996 was two very different worlds. Um, It was the 80s, but it was also Scream. So, right. um, Yeah, he apparently also directed the sequel, 1998's The Dentist 2. Wow. Yeah. Two of the two. So I was just going to say two of the scariest VHS covers I think I've ever seen like as a kid, because I feel like I would walk in the aisles and see like the cover for the dentist. And I'd be like, I I just, you know, as as someone who was afraid of not only the dentist, but also the horror movies as a child (laughs) at the time, I'm just like, it's just no. (laughs) Yeah, that one was gratuitous, if I recall. Like, it's just like a woman's like terrified open mouth. Just yeah, just like, no, thank you. That's bad. Yeah, I remember the dentist being off limits, definitely when I was younger. And was the other one that you're alluding as one of the scariest video cassettes boxes night of return of the living dead three? Oh no well i mean that's just an amazing box art i would see all the time and be so, so drawn to it it was just because yeah. you were just like that like the it's like the the moment with the hand and like the all like the blades kind of going through like the, the going through yeah was it a martini glass was it a martini glass with an eyeball or was that number two it doesn't matter i don't remember. maybe it was a two i don't remember but two had the cool cloud cover i remember that but mm-hmm. like yeah mm-hmm. but so what was the other box was it the dentist and the dentist too i think it was just, I think, yeah i think it was just like the dentist in general but like return <laughs> of the living dead part three was just like a very important one and just like it was something i would see every time no matter what it's like that and like child's play three probably there too as well child's play three was that, it was just like his face was really big on that one yeah and there's some blood coming down i think his lip a mm-hmm, little bit too mm-hmm, yeah it was weird mm-hmm. Yeah, I like number two, like, Sorry Jack, oh. Chucky's Back. That's so oh, fast. Right. That was a good one. Also, that's, like, a great movie, too. So it's, like, both be- great box art, great movie. Yeah, unlike the third one, great box art. Mm, rough that's, movie. It's the end of the sentence. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> although I'm very grateful for the Chucky series. They have more hits than misses, and that's a beautiful thing. Um, Have you seen Silent Night, Deadly Night? First of all, have you seen any of the sequels, specifically number four? I do. I think I've only seen the first Silent Night, Deadly Night. It was a long time ago. Mm-hmm. But yeah, no, yeah. yeah. Very curious about this fourth one. I don't know anything about it. I do think I've heard rumblings that it's the worst one, which definitely intrigues me. I, and I think I know it has some, has some body horror elements as well. And I don't know it has some, I think, like some like not cult stuff, but more like sorority stuff, I think, too, which is <laughs> interesting. But like, but it, it, again, like it's like this and like the toy, so I'm like, like five, the toy maker, both are like kind of get away from all the Christmas stuff, mostly of like the of like the three films, I think. It's, I love when it's just like, well, we're just going to keep the title Troll 2. It's fine. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Very funny to me. So Brian, you've seen a pretty cool guy. Um, have you seen or are you familiar with the Reanimator movies? Um, I've seen only seen Reanimator 1, the first Reanimator, which is just an, a beautiful film. Just an amazing, incredible, just gross movie that's just both hilarious and disgusting, which is like two of my favorite things. Right now I'm looking at this like miniature toy coffin that our mutual friend Jules got me. And it's what I keep my pot in. And, oh wow! And it says Rian- and it's like the Reanimator poster on there. It's a lot, That's it's a lot awesome. going on, a lot going on with it, and I like it a lot. And Jeffrey Coombs, man, what a babe! What a babe! An- yeah. And also the star of another movie club uh, selection of of late, House of Haunted Hill. That's true. Yeah, playing himself. 
Mm-hmm. He's so hot though in Reanimator. Like he's very hot in Reanimator. R- right up there with my like all time crushes, probably. <laughs> Have you seen him from Beyond? I have never seen from Beyond. It's very, it's uh, it, much like Society. It's also very equally goopy, like incredibly goopy. Mm, interesting. I didn't know it was so goopy. It's a very goopy sense. movie. Also, he's good in Castle Freak as well, too. Oh, I, I have seen Castle Freak. That, <laughs> yeah. is, that is a movie I've seen. Emily, my your partner and my yeah. my friend, we made a short film, and it went to a film festival that I think had the world premiere of the Castle Freak remake. Oh wow! And I remember yeah. thinking that I like I had made it. <laughs> this is it baby <laughs> you're it and i still think that hey yeah i think so i mean i think it's streaming i think it's streaming on shutter i think or streaming somewhere i imagine so These movies are the fucking best yeah. um would you say society has lovecraft influence or am i am i barking up the wrong tree I suppose so. Like, I, I think, like, I'm trying to think of, like, things like, you know, like, color of, color out of space and stuff like that. And I think that has a lot of, like, kind of those goopier elements about, like, things kind of becoming, like, trans, like, kind of transhuman stuff of, like, things, like, kind of morphing into other stuff and whatnot. And, like, mm-hmm. kind of, like, the the out-of-body experience or, like, the body experience of just, like, the unexplained about things, like, forming into one another almost. Yuck. I don't love it. Have you seen the poster <laughs> for Infinity Pool yet? I ha- I watched the trailer for Infinity Pool uh, not too long ago, and I I have you seen because I, I love um Br- I mean yeah well Brandon Cronenberg I actually really like uh, was a Possessor Possessor was really good mm-hmm. very strong movie uh, it's giving me society kind of yeah I can see that yeah I think it's and but like a whole different vibe like with me and like with mm-hmm. me Goth and with I was in our Scars Garden like mm-hmm. like that whole like vibe of just like a society of people that just do up to, up to something entirely entirely like not human or something that's just so out of ordinary okay mia goth overrated underrated or just normally rated Hmm. i mean maybe probably normally rated i feel like (laughs) i don't think she's really under because i feel like there are things that she performs very well in and but i don't know i don't think she's i don't know if she's over or under the hype is is appropriately sized I think I so. Know. Yeah, I'm okay with that. Yeah. To be honest, I think I, I think kind she's of agree. riding that fine line. I think because I don't think she's overdoing it or underdoing it. But I think people could. I mean, you know, depending on how you feel about Pearl, you could say maybe she's overdoing it. But I feel like she's kind of in that 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 range of you know doing it almost pretty much normal. I didn't love Pearl. Famously, didn't love Pearl. me neither. Honestly. Oh wow. Okay. Good. good. But I I, I wouldn't say it. I hated it, but I didn't Same. love it either. Yeah. I'm. But I will say she's very good in it. Well, She's totally. doing the best she can do, but I think he needs to reel it in a little bit, you know, totally. tighten it up. But, but yeah, she's great. And I, on, I honestly hope that she gets award season recognition of some kind. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Or just, yeah. And I feel like it's, it's cool that these two like X and Pearl were both made in the way they were made kind of in like the bubble of whatnot, you know, but kind, kind of like Tubi's Terror Train and Terror Train 2. <laughs> yeah. Very were they similar. both made in the same? Were they both made back yeah. to back? Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. And then one was released at Halloween and one was re- released at New Year's. And hey. good, good for them. Good for yeah. them. Haven't seen either. Probably never will. No, I'll stick to the original. Thank you very much. Which I also don't love. It's not very good. It's fine. People love it. People say it's like the coziest horror movie of all time. And I say, uh, There's cozier. What about, what about Black Christmas, honey? Like, come on. Mm. There you go. Even prom night, even too. Oh yeah, prom night's cozy. 
Yeah, Omni 2, also pretty cozy. So cozy. Yeah, 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 definitely. Okay, what do you think society is talking about? What do you think is the the thesis of this movie? What are the lessons learned? I mean, I guess the rich will always eat the poor, I think, no matter yeah. what. And mm-hmm. like, I mean, it could be it could be in the sense of this movie, it could be so literal or it could be just as like, met, you know, metaphorical in the sense, too. Like, I mean, I think this kind of movie feels evergreen, I think, too, about kind of its message about about like how they eat, how the how they eat, rich eat the poor and how mm-hmm. just like no matter what this no matter what, there's always gonna be a society of people that are just gonna always think they're better than you or better than whatever. And like. It, it's just relatable in that kind of sense, but where in terms of like business sense, in terms of like political sense, in terms of all that kind of stuff, like it's so wide mm-hmm. swath in its way of kind of approaching this issue. You're totally right. It totally feels evergreen. It feels as relatable today as it did in the late 80s. And the late 80s were like all about this sort of hyper wealth, hyper, you know, excess. Yeah. Right, because because of, of the Reagan era, of course, as the Reagan mm-hmm. era was like winding down, and we were entering the the new Bush senior era. <laughs> yeah, what I will say about the late eighties, it's the hottest era. I think everyone's so hot. The hair is now an appropriate size. It's not so fluffy. Um, nice poof. Yeah, not, I'm not here for the poofy eighties hair. But by yeah. 1989, like people were looking pretty fine. I have to say, California dreaming. Am I right? I always like to think that the hottest Friday the Thirteenth cast was Seven. Seven has a has a hot. I mean, I like Four's cast a lot. I think they're pretty hot. They're very well. Chris Glover, hot, hot. Yeah, hot. and there, there's the and you know a lot of the yeah, not very much Chris Glover and like, <laughs> and um, but like and I do like oh I do like in is it Six is that that has Tony Goldwyn I think who's Tony Gold oh the the mustache. No, no, he's like the guy from like Ghost as well as he's also like in like The Good Wife, I think, or something like that. Um, oh my god, I can't remember. I can't remember all the stuff he's been in, but like, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, he was in he's one one of those. And then, um, but no, I think yeah, Seven does have a very hot cast. So hot. First of all, the lead fake Carrie. Oh what right. A hottie. And then Evil Blonde, so hot. And they're kind of all the only two people I can really remember. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like four, because like four, with, with four, I can remember like the twins and like and like the I two. Like one, I remember like, all of them. In four. Evil, evil brunette, or like the like the brunette who's like the nice, but like still, meh. Mm-hmm, but like mm-hmm. I mean, Corey Feldman. Who, I mean, how could you forget Tommy Jarvis? Obviously. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. weird bald Tommy Jarvis, incredible. Yeah. And then five, I absolutely remember all of those kids for some reason, probably because I yeah. saw it not so long ago. I think I need to rewatch five. I feel like with thir- with you know a Friday the Thirteenth coming up, I feel like I should redo revisit five because I it feel like I haven't seen it in a bit. Terrible, but I, love I know, it. I, I know. It. Yeah, I know it's not an unpopular one, but it's, it's what I don't watch very often either. It is Quentin Tarantino's favorite Friday the Thirteenth, which just proves that he's an absolute lunatic. <laughs> yeah. Truly, and I I really like that for him. Okay, I promised everyone earlier that we would, you know, come back around to shunting, and I really think that we should. Okay. So, we've been talking about how goopy and ooky this movie is, and when we're talking about the goopy ooky ooh, that's basically what shunting is in this film. Do you want to just remind us, like, what is going on in this finale? Okay, all right, where to start? 
where to start? So with shunting, so as we see in, in society, um, you you see the one character, I think it was one of the doctor characters, I can't remember his character name, but he, uh, you know, we'll get to the, you know, and for now, the big part, we will get to the bottom of this, where he <laughs> extends his arm into the, I believe, crotch area of one of the students from the oh. high school, and it just goes all the way up through you one would could imagine it goes through all the way through his body with the hand of him going right through out of his mouth yeah. and with, with his fingers going through the eyes oh it's really bad yeah it's not it's, a nice way to go no it's not and it's just just a weird it's just so disgusting and i mean you can look up the medical term of shunting of just like transfusing like bodily fluids and whatnot or other fluids like oh. blood or whatever to other organisms and stuff and i guess it's like a weird that's basically what they're doing they're just like trans you know sharing all their organs and blood and fluids and then and then yeah they start to like stretch and yeah like sort of become very deformed and then they, their faces show up places they shouldn't be at one point, we are back in his parents' bedroom. Do you want to remind us what happens there? Oh, of course. So basically, during that whole part, during the very beginning of the whole uh, party, I guess you could say, um, when it gets down to it, when the red lights start to flicker, um, uh, uh, the 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 Whitney family, you know, the sister, the mom, and the dad, oh, like they they, they go up a little bit to you know they want to have their private time. <laughs> and when Bill opens the door to witness, he sees. I believe uh, her the the dad's arms using as legs. Uh, I think his body morphed into her as well, with the mom's head on the top of the body, and they start to lunge at Bill. And Bill's scared, like Bill's just like, oh, he's worried. And then in the crotch between those two arms, uh, it's his sister's head just pops out of there, saying, hey. "Hi, you know. <laughs> yeah. yeah." It's horrifying. And then, but, you know, obviously there was a famous line in, at the beginning of the movie where he says, fuck you, butthead. And, you know, as we see the man's ass, it, mm-hmm. his face is in his butt. Mm-hmm. And he says, well, Bill, I guess you're right. I am a butthead. I really am a butthead. Yeah. <laughs> uh, really upsetting. Yeah. I am glad I didn't see this as a kid. <laughs> I think I'd be a different person. I think I don't know how I can't imagine anybody seeing this as a kid. I can't. Oh, and I'm sure there are plenty of you out there listening right now that was like, <laughs> yeah, I listened to this as a kid, watched it, and now I'm a butthead too. I mean, I mean, I watched Beavis and Butthead as a kid, but like I Honestly, didn't that's think scarier it, to me. It was pretty scary. I didn't I didn't light anything on fire though from that watching it. Luckily, I just, you know, Beavis I learned really gave me the uncanny valley belly feelings. I could see that. Just because the weird way they're drawn and everything like that. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't like them. And then they had scary music videos, like the war music videos really like shook my world. But they put some good stuff. They would watch some good stuff and they did have good like music commentary, I would say. Like they they were pretty, they they knew what was up. Oh, they for sure did. They were, they had Tori Amos on there. Yeah. They were, they were not even down with new metal. They were like, corn is really derivative. And I'm like, wow, they were on it. (laughs) It makes sense because then we got um, what else did Judge give us? We got Daria and we got King of the Hill. Yeah, and Silicon Valley. Oh my god, I always forget. Jesus. <laughs> and Office Space too, of course. So. It's also just like weird Uncanny Valley 
tummy feelings all totally about. totally um perry are you familiar with a certain screaming mad george so i am familiar with Screaming mad george he's a very awesome special effects artist from um, japan yeah 100 percent. so screaming mad george is from osaka japan and is known for their absolutely absurd, surreal, and hyper-gory uh, music video and film effects. So some of his earlier works was on movies like Big Trouble in Little China, Predator, A Nightmare on Elm Street 3, A Nightmare on Elm Street 4, specifically the cockroach death scene. Ugh. Yeah, and Arena. Uh, he also did a movie. He also did a movie called um, from 1993 called Freaked. It's like a comedy with uh, starring Alex Winter. What uh, is that? It's like a it's a, it's a wild movie. So it's like I watched it for the first time last year because and they played it at the Toronto uh, in Toronto at the Tiff Bell Lightbox with like a 35 millimeter, mm-hmm. and it was um, just like this wild movie. But this but Alex Winter plays like this uh, actor who's just like kind of like a scummy guy who just like does all these deals from just like oh I'll just sign whatever just why I just long as I get paid or whatever. <laughs> And then what he does, so he takes this one deal and it brings him out to this weird carnival like place that's run by Randy Quaid. And basically they just turn him into, he just turns people into freaks essentially. So he has all this gross freak work and Scream Magic George does so much great freak, amazing freak, turns Keanu Reeves into a dog. Like Whoa. Bob Kate Goldthwaite is a sock that talks. It's like, it's insane. And it's just, so it's a wild, wild trip. It's, it's incredibly 90s though. It's like, that's like 90s MTV as a movie almost almost you know does it have joe's apartment energy it did kind of have a joe's apartment energy i would say or yeah for sure i would yeah because even like one of the dudes from blossoms in it hell yeah michael okay. stoyanov baby hell yeah would you ever pick that from movie club because i would watch that it was because i was considering it i considered it as like a kind of like a follow-up to this because it'd be like mm-hmm. hey now we're gonna do a comedy but also you know but and to relate the two but then i was like i don't know i've i don't know where the direction to go in next hilarious Perry Jackson, before I move on to talking about the graphic novel follow-up, I'm wondering, do you have any other, like, final thoughts, final information tidbits for us about the first Society movie? I think one of the more, one of the funnier bits about it is that, like, so, like, Society came out in 1989. Obviously, it didn't, like, I think it got more distribution as it kind of came around into U.S. in, like, 92, which is, it's a bummer. And I think, you know, more people, at least more people did get to see it. But what's really interesting is that Brian used it, has a story credit, a story writing credit, I I believe, uh, alongside Stuart Gordon on Honey, I Shrunk the Kids, which was also a movie that came out in 1989. And like, and because they wrote an original treatment for it. And then like, and Brian used it was originally going to direct that. But then, you know, he couldn't agree on the title because he wanted to call the movie Teeny Weenies. Oh, no. Which is a bad title, which is a bad. So he left because they couldn't agree on a title. Honey, I Shrunk the Kids is maybe the best title in, in cinema history. It's so good. And like, Teeny Weenies is up for sure the worst. It's awful title. It's And then, then he made Society after this. so <laughs> Which is a perfect title. You, yeah. know what, you know what my favorite title that could have been terrible but turned out great is? Beetlejuice. Do you know what they were going to call Beetlejuice? Oh my god. I th- it was uh, Ghost something? Yeah, you're very close. House Ghosts. House Ghosts, that's what it was, yes. Like like House Guests, yeah. Like, like what? Actually, I yeah. didn't House Guests. I didn't really catch that. That's kind of funny. But not funny enough. Nope. I'm glad they, nope. I'm glad they did it. They I really liked the sequel title Beetlejuice 
goes Hawaiian. That's an amazing title. Really good title. Never yeah. will that movie be made. And then maybe no. it's okay. I've read the script and I don't think it's 2023 appropriate. No, <laughs> I don't think so. No, wow. a lot of, a lot of um, Polynesian appropriation and you know, Moana would have something to say. She'd yeah, say, she... get out of here. Yeah. Let, um, let it go. Let, but that's... let it go, 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 go. Yeah. Um, hilarious. So, Perry Jackson, would it be okay if I gave a little bit of insight on the graphic novel? Yes, please, because I yeah, some, something I haven't really don't really know too much about, honestly. Oh, so there is... Okay, so we're here today, ultimately, to talk a little bit about Society 2, body modification, the unmade sequel that never happened, but an extension, an official extension of the universe that did happen is this graphic novel that came out in 2003, which was titled... Society um, Party Animal. Yes. Written by Colin Barr with artist Shelby Shelby Robertson, issue one, and Neil Cameron, issue two. So these were about a 10-year follow-up to the body-melding climax of the 80s original. And I believe we were going to see the lead character sort of find his revenge on the society cult. That's interesting. Yeah. So interesting. Speaking with... Um, Horror Society, ironically, the author had this to say. I wanted to try and make a strong connection between the film and the comic sequel. When I started thinking about a story for the comic book, more than 10 years had passed and things had moved on a bit. And I felt Society was one of those horror movies which had really been cemented in people's minds. When I spoke to Brian Usna about it, he had some great ideas about this race of upper-class beings. He had this fantastic background story set in ancient Rome where you could imagine all this cannibalistic ritual fitting in, like, a gruesome treat. Um, Usina originally wanted them to adapt the film first and was keen to take the story in a new direction, an an alternate timeline for a comic book world, um, and we had a three-book story arc which took the setting from London and Rome. That's interesting. That's really interesting. Very interesting. So something that our like our film club was debating was this society, are they supernatural? Are they just humans that have been around a really long time? They say explicitly in the movie, we're not aliens. We've been here as long as you. But I think that leaves a little bit of ambiguity about are they really human or are they something a little bit different that's just been here with us this whole time. Exactly. Um, what do you think about that? I think, yeah, it's just like, it's something that like we can't, it's unexplainable. Like it's something that's been here forever that, you know, like it, how long have they been around here? Have they been around maybe not before, since before 89? Like, have they been around with like, <laughs> you know, have they been like the, were they the Egyptian period? Were they around in the colonial times? Were they around, uh-huh. you know what I mean? You have to think about, cause like you see about, and then in the movie as, as well, you, they kind of hint about like, the, the internship at Washington. So it's like, how far do these people go? Do they go all the way to like the political landscape at Washington? Do they go even far back to political landscape to like in the 1800s? Like when mm-hmm. back then even like, does where does, where how far back do these people go? And yeah. are they, I mean, obviously maybe, maybe they were aliens that came here a long, 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 long time ago. But of course, if they've always been here, then should mm-hmm. maybe, you know, who knows, right? Or maybe they were born from the, from the earth, you know? That feels Lovecraftian to me, this like, We've been here this whole time, but we're unknowable energy. And hearing that there was this comic book set with moments in ancient Rome, or at least there was like ideas for stories set in ancient Rome with like, you know, the excessiveness of that time mixed with the cannibalistic 
hypersexual ritual of the shunting. It, right. it makes sense. I can no. really see that environment in this sort of in this world. Yeah, totally. And I think it would just be cool. I mean, it's cool that this this book exists also, too. Like, I think it's mm-hmm. and it came out in 2003, which I think is like, yeah, it's like that's like a little over 10 years after the fact, which is like insane. Yeah, it's like a, 2003 to me is like the ultimate lost era right now where it's like it's so long ago, but it's not long ago enough. And anything that came out around that time just kind of feels in transition to me a little bit right now. Yeah, like it's twenty. Like that's twenty years ago now, which is so wild, to, weird to think about. Like, because two thousand three, I'm just like, yeah, I got I, like, yeah, what the Daredevil's coming out. <laughs> like, what were we excited about two thousand three? Um, the Tori Amos Greatest Hits collection definitely came out. Uh, um, video games probably came out. I can't. Um, think. Sebastian, um, Dear Catastrophe Waitress. Oh, that was a good album. That was a good album. What else came out in two thousand and three? Um, ha ha heats make up the breakdown. <laughs> that sounds familiar. Yeah. Um, oh my goodness. I think. I mean, this broken social scenes. You forgot it, and people count. I guess I don't know. Uh huh. Um, yes, it does. Oh my goodness. Broken social oh scene definitely counts. Um, was there like a like a arcade fire? EP previous to the month yeah event. I guess it was it would have been come out that year I and then like did. and then oh four was funeral and then oh five yeah. was like a, they re released Neon the Bible EP. I think or was that six Neon Bible was oh seven yeah oh seven Jeez yeah. Louise I know Jeez um two thousand three yeah as I'm saying uh, it's a lost era lost era Very lost Ooh, era speaking of Dead End my favorite movie. 2003. Oh, right. With Ray Wise, right? Ray Wise. Yeah. Shay. Yeah. The baby. So yeah. I'd like to get my hands on this. Um, I was looking online. Uh, yes, I think it's out of print, but you can find it pretty cheap. Oh, darn. Oh, at least that sucks. It's out of print. Maybe mm-hmm. though. Yeah, it sucks. But I think yeah. it is. You know what? Don't quote me, but you can definitely get your hands on a copy of, you know, you so wish in this world. Right. Of course. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Perry, how do you feel about us finally getting to our final destination? which is Society 2 Body Modification. I'm very excited because there's not, I don't really know too mm-hmm. much about it. And like, I kind of tried to find a little bit more information about this, but like, it was, again, it's like, again, like much like, much like movies that, that have been covered on this podcast, it's <laughs> Development Hell. Mm-hmm. And you know, a lot of stuff goes on in Development Hell and we don't always know what that is. But yeah. lucky for us, again, no, no, not again. 10 years ago, 2013, the Horror Channel at the time um, had an interview with Yuzna, who had some updates on Society 2, which had already been declared titled Body Modification. And I believe he had already sort of hinted about this movie for a couple of years, or at least a year at that point. And then he got more into a little bit the specific, no, into the nitty gritty with Horror Channel in 2013, right. saying... Um, it would take place in these super exclusive late night clubs that they have in Hollywood. Once you get in there, there's always the VIP room or the VVIP room. And that's always off limits. So in other words, this is where the ultra dark, ultra rich exclusive stuff goes down. He continues with saying, the problem is as always financing. I'm actively working on the script but horror has become so mainstream that it seems to have mostly lost that transgressive quality that used to make it so exhilarating. The business has changed considerably due to the digital revolution. There aren't many like small but enthusiastic indie genre studios out there anymore. 
Um, and lastly, he went on to wonder if like this genre could be, or if this franchise is sort of even relevant anymore after right. the release of Cabin in the Woods. And he, basically he compares it to Cabin in the Woods, which was, you know, this very self-aware horror movie of the time and just wondering if, you know, the horror landscape is open, ready, and able to receive something like society. Um, Perry, what do you think about these statements from Yuzna? Do you think that horror had mainstreamed sort of out of dangerous horror like this, or did it just shift? What do you think was really going on? I think it kind of shifted because, like, he, it's funny because he says it's in 2013, and this was like, you know, I mean, obviously it's a cabin in the woods time, but like, I guess the Bloomhouse boom hadn't really, really started really yet until like mm-hmm. later on in the decade. So you think about it like at that point, like, I think if you were to look at it now, even 10 years ago, I feel like a movie, a, a movie like this, like, couldn't get made today. Like, if you look at the original society, I feel like it couldn't get made today. No. And if it were to, it would be just like a CG weirdness of it, and it just would lack like the visual appeal and the, and the, the the disgustingness of it all because of without without practical effects so like and a sequel like this i mean the cool i I like the idea of kind of going into like vip clubs and like kind of like the club nature of it and i think Mm -hmm. you kind of can see like maybe there's a world where like like there's you know that there's a there's the regular club to go to then you go to the other other room and then it's like all these people are doing disgusting you know copulation and shunting and whatnot and you know you see like maybe there's a shunt room who knows you know what i mean like um, but why I think not? it would just be, yeah, exactly. Why not? Um, but yeah, I, I don't think it could really get made today. And I just don't think like, I don't know who would put out like this thing recently. Like, I mean, you look at, you look at like Cronenberg, for example, and like, he just put out a recent mo- new movie recently that was actually had like body horror elements and everything. And that took a long time for him to get made, obviously. And this was something he had an idea for, but like never really went through with it until, I guess he's becoming more relevant with time. And obviously maybe it's more like a waiting game. Maybe when mm-hmm. now that like society has been about is over a little 30 years old now, maybe, maybe there is room for this kind of kind of movie now. Who's to say, but like who, who will put the finances for it? Like he, like Reusna says is to remains to be seen. Would Bloomhouse put the money up to do something like this? Would someone like neon do that? Cause neon did what did for Cronenberg. So who's to say really? It's interesting. I think that we have come around to really like, scooping up nostalgia releases again. Right. Of and course. I, like we're we're seeing a trailer for the Mutilator 2. Like weird movies are getting follow-ups. Yeah, that's so strange. Like Mut- Mutilator is a pretty good movie, but like that's not a movie I would ever like think like I think like Fall Break, you know, like I mean obviously well, this is a new Fall Break song and hopefully but like Oh wow. Fall I would Break hope so. 2 is what they really should have called I, I it. Should, oh, 100%. Um also what is a Fall Break? I'll never know. <laughs> yeah, I'll never, you just started going back to school. Why do you need a break? Hey, everyone needs a break from school. Everyone does need a break. And yeah, and it goes without saying, political landscape has changed significantly. And totally. this first movie, as great as it is, is very 1989. Definitely a little problematic. Not exactly sure what it's saying at all times. Hmm. There's a gay kiss in it, though. Like, totally. I mean, I don't think it's saying nice things about its gay kiss, but it's there. And it's, right. It's, like, it's kind of like, yeah, like it's like a use for like just like of use of violence almost as the way is almost yes, doing it. Yeah, like, like like a grotesque, like like freak show kind of. Yeah, which is sort of yeah, it's the whole underbelly of that, which is like not cool. But he doesn't. But he gets kissed and nothing bad comes from it, right? Because true, he's... yeah, yeah, because he's about to start the whole process about like oh now I'm about to shunt you and he's like no we're and then it's gonna he gets shunted back. 
yeah or rip the side out really shunt you bitch yeah um i don't want to get shunted that's my hot, no you yeah i mean you shut you shunt yeah you you're <laughs> you the shunt. shunt well okay so this landscape question kind of leads me into our final section which is conclusions perry my first question for you is do you think we'll ever see a sequel to society i i honestly don't think so like i i mean unless like I honestly don't think so. Unless there's like the idea of it, maybe like the, the the best I could see it is if they if they rebooted it or did a whole thing about it, maybe like it made it different. But like I can't see like a like a logistical real sequel to society, like or at least the, or the idea what we're led to believe about society. So it's like mm-hmm. I, I don't know if it could it could come out, and I don't know who would finance it. I don't know who would put it out. Like you know, he mentions about like you know the the small scale studios that would not put out something something like this, and there aren't a lot of small scale studios. Like most of the things, it's like you have to like pitch it as like a small scale project and then eventually maybe that small scale project will become a bigger scale project but it's like mm-hmm. who's to who's to say like would there would there be a society to pitch would could crowdfunding make society to happen who's to who's to say too that's but like, interesting but maybe. i don't know i don't know if the, i don't know if like there's enough people out there to to garner to want that there's i don't know if there's enough demand for it either i'm not sure either what about just a project on tv or in film just called society that's yeah, I mean that could happen. I think you could easily turn this TV into, into like a TV show, like into like an eight episode arc or something like that. That could just even if you just re even if you just like adapted the the this, the, the text to like made it and make maybe contextualize it to a modern setting and then just you know use cell phones or something stuff like that, make it eight episodes. You could easily do that. Yeah. Would, would, would it be better as a TV show or as a movie? Who I mean, I don't really know because like. I, I don't know. Would it be like a? I, would it be like a half hour show? Would it be like eight hours? You know? Would it, you know? There's so I'm many questions. Like a, an eight episode Fleischman is in trouble. Energy. Yeah, like a, like a short, like like a quick limited series kind yeah. of vibe. Set it in Manhattan for some reason. Give it a little bit of an eyes wide shut vibe. But I mean, yeah, I mean, Emily was saying actually, my partner was saying that during it uh, was very eyes wide shutty the whole mm-hmm. movie itself, and it's like yeah, and like you know, you kind of that kind of atmosphere could still come back like that kind of cult aspect stuff. And people still make cult films. Like you look at like black, the new black Christmas that came out recently. It's oh, very yeah. cult like, and like Midsommar. Uh, yeah. Midsommar, of course, like, you know, and it's, it's so something could happen hopefully, but like, I don't know, like a TV show could work. I think for sure though. Eyes wide shunt. As yes. That's yeah. Emily Gagne's review on letterbox, by the way. So you go like that. <laughs> All of that aside, Perry, would you want to see more society? Or do you think we should leave it let lie? I mean, I, I think the first movie is such an interesting treat. It's such a very like insular thing of like one object of like one movie that never got a sequel or anything like that. It's so like it's it's cool to have those singular experiences for one movie. Like, would I like to see more? Sure. But would I like to just see more body horror in general? Like, of course. Like, I feel like body horror is like a genre that you don't see as much. And like, you you see like, you know, see Brandon Cronenberg lately and, and David Cronenberg kind of making more of his comeback lately now with Crimes of the Future and, and Brandon Cronenberg's son making more stuff. But like, mm-hmm. you see that kind of coming back and you see some other like little bits of, of body horror and, and every once in a while, like, I think, for example, like Bones and All even had a little bit of that with cannibalistic stuff and too. And that was a bit more of that kind of aspects. So I, I'll always take more of it. It's just whether or not, like, I, I don't think I need a sequel to Society, but I'll always take more body horror in general. I think that's a good answer. It's kind of meeting yeah. me in the middle. Perry, where can you be found online if you so wish to be found? Oh, of course. Yeah, I'm usually my name without vowels. So P-R-R-Y-J-C-K-S-N. I think yeah. it's I'm mostly on Twitter, Letterboxd, yeah, everything. Mostly just, you know, do, do my stuff there, you know. 
amazing. Follow him. And Perry, this was so fun. Thank you for introducing yeah. me to the disgusting, goopy world of, course. of society. It needed to happen eventually, and I'm glad that it's been done. And of course, thank you for having me. Literally, I hope you come back sometime soon. I hope so too. Yeah, I'm, um, I have my numbers always available. Uh, amazing. I know where you live. <laughs> sure, you do. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening to Development Hell. If you enjoy this podcast, then please do us a major favor of leaving us five stars and writing a positive review. It really makes all the difference in the world. We'll see you next week with a brand new episode of Development Hell. Thank you for listening to the Dread Podcast Network.